0: Psychic Matters with Anne Otto, the top-ranked spirituality podcast.
1: I could feel this very weird energy start to build up in the room. It went really cold, felt the hairs on my neck stand up. I became very cautious of the feeling of someone was watching me. And all of a sudden, I could hear my dad say, Son, turn round, it's only me, turn round. And I gently just started to turn my, my computer chair over to, to the door and between my television and my bunk bed and the door where my father was standing there, just like you and I just now. And he says to me, you need to stop worrying. You need to look after the family. I'm in a better place now. And straight away, he then just disintegrated into what I can only decide to you is blending in with the rest of the atmosphere and into the rest of the the, the room. And the medium went on to say, your husband tells me that your son can hear the voices of the departed and he can do his job 10 times better than I can and I will train him. And then the medium had turned and says, oh, and to the the young boy at the back of the room, your dad's here and he's telling me that I have to train you and that you're going to travel the world being a medium. What it basically means is my eyeballs are perfectly healthy. They are perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with them. But the optic nerves are starting to basically self-destruct. I only have peripheral vision. I don't have central vision. And central vision is your main vision that you need for everything that was petrifying, that was scary. And, you know, I had just turned 18. So in reality, my life should only have just begun. My life should only have just been opened up. And to then be told that you're going to lose your sight and be blind, it just felt like my whole world had ended.
0: get into this episode, I'd like to invite you to join this community to hear more interviews that will help you to understand the psychic mind, mediumship communication, paranormal science, and how it all works. All I want you to do is click on the subscribe button. I love your support. It's incredible to see all of your comments and I'm just getting started. I can't wait to go on this journey with you. Thank you for subscribing. It means the world to me. Hello, hello and it is good to be back. My name is Anne Teato, and welcome to episode 101 of the Psychic Matters podcast. It's amazing to have returned, and it's been wonderful having a short break, which has been incredibly beneficial for me in so many different ways. So, happy new year, everyone, and here is to a fantastic and productive 2024 for all of us. Well, what is the new news from the Psychic Matters studio. I have got some fabulous guests to introduce you to this year. Podcast interviews that have already taken place with some inspirational expert guests that I know you're going to love listening to and learning from every single episode from this point on will be watchable on YouTube. So not only can you listen to the audio version on all of your favorite podcast platforms, but you can now watch my guests as they speak in the Psychic Matters studio. And God willing, some of my back episodes will also appear on that new YouTube channel as and when I get the time to edit them and put them up. So Lots to see, lots to learn and lots to look forward to. So please do hop on over to YouTube or walk, amble or wheel yourself depending on your favourite mode of transport and I will meet you there. Please do press the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the content. In other news... In between recording podcast episodes and studying for my DSNU with the Spiritualists National Union, I'm going back and forth to Ireland, over to County Tipperary, to see my mother every three weeks, as she is unfortunately still unwell with dementia. And for those of you that also live alongside this illness you will understand how challenging it is and how difficult things are for our family and most of all for my mother. So please do keep her in your prayerful thoughts and all those who are suffering at this time. Meanwhile, on the positive side, I'm embracing my Irish heritage and I have Fallen deeply in love with Ireland and the Irish people all over again, the more time I spend there. And I'm planning to do a three week tour in my camper van with friends in June to drive the wild Atlantic way following Ireland's coastline. And I am thoroughly enjoying a little course I've started online, which is teaching me traditional Irish singing. So I'm learning nine Irish ballads at the moment, sung in English, not Gaelic. But the wonderful thing is, you don't need any accompaniment. The Older singers weren't formally trained and they didn't worry about ornamentation or breath control or anything like that. They just sang innately and they didn't have to learn anything. And I love the free nature of just singing from your soul for the sheer joy of it. So I'm looking forward to standing alone by the wild Atlantic Ocean, hair blowing in the breeze and singing the parting glass to all of nature and to God. Who knows, I might even video it and put it on the new YouTube channel. (laughs) Now you will have to subscribe, won't you? Because you won't want to be missing out on my island adventures. And so, to this week's podcast. You've waited a long time and your wait has not been in vain. Settle in, dear listener wherever you are, whether you are walking the dog, working out at the gym or driving on your commute. Don't forget, leave me a review on Apple iTunes or Podchaser. I know you're going to love this episode. Today we have a truly unique guest with us someone who has made a profound impact in the world of mediumship and the paranormal. We are joined by psychic and medium Dominic Bogue. Dominic is not only one of the UK's youngest and most successful mediums, but he's also gaining recognition and acclaim in the United States for his remarkable abilities. He's known for taking on the characteristics and personalities of spirit communicators, Providing detailed evidence that will leave you in no doubt that your loved ones are still by your side. But there's more to his story than just his incredible mediumship abilities. Dominic is registered blind, which makes his journey even more remarkable. He brings a fresh and vibrant modern form of mediumship to the spiritual movement, breaking barriers and inspiring others along the way. And today, we're going to dive deep into his experiences, his unique perspective as a registered blind medium, and his dedication to guiding others on their path to spiritual development. Dominic Bogue, welcome to Psychic Matters.
1: Thank you very much. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. I feel excited. This is like my first podcast interview this week, and I was really excited about this one, actually. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's so great to have you here, and I know you've got a really busy schedule because I've been watching carefully your Facebook pages and your social media platform, yeah. and it seems like you're all over, well, all over Scotland, you're demonstrating all over the place, you've got your private one-on-one, so you're very, very active in the field, shall we say. Yeah. But I was wondering, Dominic, if you could share with the listeners today how you first discovered your extraordinary gift.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Before I became a a medium, I was always very psychic. I was always very attuned with my intuition. Little did I know what it truly was. And stories would still be told from my my parents, my my grandma, my family. You know, just little things that I would say, little things that I would come away with. And just one of those things that would be normal to, to you and I, Maybe not normal to maybe some of our listeners, but my mum always talks about when I was four or five years of age, she had me sitting on her knee. I don't know what she was doing, especially at four or five years of age, why I was on my mum's knee, I'll never know. But she had me sitting and she had this gold chain, she still has it, and had like a, a ball that the only way I could describe to you was like a crystal ball. And if you spin it, it would spin and you could see lots of like rainbow colors in it. And I used to say to her, you know, one day I'll be able to see into your future. I'll be able to read your future. I was just a kid and I used to freak her out. But things like that were were just Dominic's general chit-chat. He was just saying things. No inclination of death, no knowledge of mediums. You know, I didn't know people could actually see people that were not alive. So I didn't really have any understanding of what death was. And like others... I had no interest in thinking about death or thinking about losing someone or grief or even seeking a medium or anything like that. And my father passed away very suddenly when I was 14. And um, the evening that the police had left to say that he had been found passed away, I was in my my bedroom and I had a a PC, I had a computer beside the, the, the window. And I was on telling my school friends, I won't be at school for the next few weeks. Kind of letting them know the news, and I could feel this very weird energy start to build up in the room. It went really cold. I felt the hairs on my neck stand up. I became very cautious of the feeling of someone was watching me. And all of a sudden, I could hear my dad say, "Son, turn round. It's only me. Turn round." And I gently just started to turn my my computer chair over to to the door. And between my television and my bunk bed and the doorway, my father was standing there, just like you and I just now. And he says to me, you need to stop worrying. You need to look after the family. I'm in a better place now. And straight away, he then just disintegrated into what I can only describe to you is blending in with the rest of the atmosphere and into the rest of the the room. So that was my first experience of spirit. That was my first experience of, you know, what the hell is going on? But the last thing I wanted to do was run downstairs and tell my grieving mother that I've just seen my dad. You know? So I, I kept a lot of it to myself. And as I was trying to navigate through grief and navigate through trying to, you know, still be a teenager and try to go back to school and try to put my life back to normal, more and more things were starting to happen. More and more things were starting to, if you want, waken me up. I would be in town with my grandma and she would stand and talk to this lady. But I could see a man stand beside the lady and no one would talk to that man. So I'm smiling at the man and, you know, he's smiling at me doing his thing. And as we walked away, I I says to to my grandma, you know, that was very ignorant, not speaking to that lady's husband. And my my grandma just brushed off saying, oh, no, son, he's he's been dead for for 10 years now. I think David's been gone. And I says, well, who was the man standing beside her with the hat and looking through his newspaper? And she looked back and she says, there's no one with her. So I'm like, well, how did I see him? And no one else could see him. So like I said, things just started to really unfold. And then a few months after we had said our farewells to dad and we started to heal and try to come back as a family, my mom went to our local spiritualist church and she was blessed to receive a communication from my dad right down to the street address he was found in, the profound details of evidence. And the medium went on to say, your husband tells me that your son can hear the voices of the departed and he can do his job 10 times better than I can and I will train him. And my mum looked at her with the most bizarrest of look and she says, well, actually, Hen, I have two sons. And the medium replied, but you only have one that's 14 years of age. So that night, my mum came home. And as I walked in the front door, she was sat there with two or three of her friends and neighbours. And she says, do you have anything you want to tell me? Now, at this point, I had not told anyone about the strange goings-on. I was just trying to, you know, rationalise it. And I says, what do you mean? And she says, we went to that spooky place where they do these things. And your dad came through and started telling this woman that you've been talking to them, you can hear them and that she's going to train you. And I just bust out crying because I finally felt I was able to be honest and open up about this world that I was starting to become aware of. So I told her all about it. And then I went the following week, didn't I? Curiosity killed the cat. And I kid you not, Went into this room. There was maybe 40 or 50 people, in average, all above 60 years of age. And And how old were you,
0: Dominic? How old were you at this point? 14. You're still 14? Yeah,
1: Yeah, still 14. So I'd sat at the back of the room and things were going on and I'm looking and I'm going, what the hell is happening? And then I was hearing things like, just say, for talking sake, cancer. And then the medium was saying, and he had cancer. So I'm going, who said that? So I was looking around like, trying to figure out, did someone say that? So I was hearing things even before the medium was actually saying the, the information. And then the medium had turned and says, oh, and to the, the young boy at the back of the room. So like a lot of people, you then turn, don't you, looking to see who they're looking at or talking to. And it was me. And she went on to say, your dad's here. And he's telling me that I have to train you and that you're going to travel the world being a medium. I just looked at her like, what's a medium? Because at that point, I was really, really skinny. I was an extra smalt. And she laughed and she says, like this young man, talking to people's loved ones. And she went on to tell me about Development Circle and how the next evening on a, a, a Tuesday evening is their development night and I should come along. So I did. I went along and fast forward, I sat in her Development Circle for three nights a week uh, for 2 years and then I started working
0: professionally at 16 goodness me that's incredibly young to start what was your mother's reaction after you burst into tears was she supportive was she taken aback how did she sort of react did she sort of know on some level
1: i wouldn't say she knew but she probably had an inclination something you see because i guess my behavior had maybe changed not just going through puberty but grief and so there was a mixture of things but she supported, obviously, the fact that I was going to these classes, if you would. But the greatest thing that I had is when my dad passed away, our neighbors, we stay in a, a, a cul-de-sac. So there's only five or six houses in our street. And the neighbors really pulled together. So in the evenings, so that my mom wasn't alone, they would come in with maybe homemade soup or bring in some cake just to, to keep her company. So when I was coming in from Development Circle, those neighbors sat there patiently waiting for me to come home so I could practice on them what I had been learning each evening. So they, they all supported me. They all held me in, in a crazy way. But my mom didn't truly believe in, in what I was doing until maybe I was 17. When she actually came one evening when I was the guest medium at the church, and she had sat in the audience and she had seen me give contacts. And one of the contacts was someone in the audience that she knew very well, that she grew up with. And her dad had came through and gave a contact, gave information, things I would never have known. And that's when my mum really started to say, well, there's something here. There's there's something here. And now, at 32, she, she believes in everything I do. She's one of my biggest supporters. She comes to my gigs. She travels with me sometimes and whatever else.
0: Yeah, it's it's an amazing story, and it it makes me feel I don't know. I, I want to ask you on the back of these feelings that it brings up as a medium myself. I've gone through like yourself, you know, intensive training, and we train on the job almost as well. Yeah. The spirit world train us as we're working with them. But um, I'm not someone, and I know lots of my listeners aren't, who sees spirit people standing like you can see them and the experiences that you've had where you saw your dad you can see the man standing next to the lady I've never had that and somehow sometimes it makes me feel like I'm a little bit less than because I don't see those things I know things I perceive things obviously my my clairsentience my clear feelings very strong my claircognizance my clear knowing is very strong clairvoyance is great it's off the scale it's great (laughs) but I don't see people. What what do you say about the differences here in mediumship where some people see, some people don't?
1: Well, every medium is completely different. Every medium has different faculties, different strengths. And again, even if we look at creative arts, some people are born with a beautiful voice, but some people do not have a good voice, but they are fabulous um, pianists or some people interiorly can go into a building and see where the, the, the sofa can be, where the television, where the false wall. It all comes down to us as individuals. I strongly believe that. And what's in our soul that makes us the medium that we are. Now, that's how I started. I started being very able to, to, to see spirit, so much so that I could see the people standing beside there, the people in the audience. I could describe them to a tea. And I became very comfortable with that. That was just the way I worked. had no strong clairaudience, no strong clairaudience. The first clairaudience I had was just my father's voice. Everything else was clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairsentient, like yourself. But that all changed. That all changed when I started to lose my physical sight. And that's when I had to say to the spirit world, well, if we're going to continue to work together, we need to work in a different way. And that's where my clairaudience went. Boom. they came so much closer. The one thing I always say to students is don't compare yourself to other mediums. You know, the last thing I want is lots of little Dominics out there in the world. You know, one's enough, trust me. The spirit world sees something special in each individual. And that's that something special is why they chose to work with them in the first place. Whether that's being great at clairvoyance or claircognizance, whatever it is, just own it. But do not go into a situation, I always say to my students, the first day I meet them, do not come to me and tell me what you are just good at. I'm just a clairvoyant or I'm just a clairaudient. I want you to come and just be a medium and let the spirit world work with you in any capacity that they can. Because we as mediums, we always make it about us. We always do, regardless whether you want to believe it or not. We always make it about us. But we have to then accept it's a team, it's a relationship. So we have to allow the spirit to work with us in whatever way they can as well. You know, we have to remember we're not dealing with spirits. We're actually dealing with people. We're dealing with personalities. So some people may have been great chit-chatters and talkers when they were alive. So they will come and chit-chat and talk to the medium. Some may be very private. Some may be very expressive and talk with their hands. Every spirit will communicate with a medium, and a different faculty as well. So it's important that we as mediums just say, let me just fire in all cylinders and use me and any faculty that you possibly can.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really good. And you're absolutely right there as well. I would like to come on to your eyesight and how that enhances actually your mediumship at this point. But mediumship does change, does it not? Whether or not you lose your eyesight or not, it does change through your years of doing it, it morphs into different, the spirit people will work with you in different ways, like you've just said.
1: Well, like everything, you know, the more that you work with it, the more that you practice with it, it should evolve. It should always be changing. Now, let's face it, we as spiritualists believe that the the spirit world are a higher intelligence. So we should be seeing mediumship and the communication of the, the, the spirit world changing all the time as well. It shouldn't be like it was going back in the early 1900s. It should be miles and miles ahead now from all the practice and all the development that we do. So absolutely, you're right. Mediumship is a journey that is constantly, constantly unfolding and developing. But one thing I'm a strong believer with, you have to dedicate it. You cannot just jump in and jump out and jump from one class to another. and you know, do this and try that. If you really want to soar within your mediumship, you need to dedicate to it. It's not, it's not something that you just pick up now and again. For me, communicating with the, the unseen world is a way of life. I walk with spirit. I'm aware of spirit all the time. Like I said, I sat for three, three nights a week to build that relationship with the spirit world. So absolutely never get comfortable with it. Never, because spirit will take you on highs and lows, and sometimes you will feel that they've stepped way back. Maybe they're testing your trust, or maybe they're finding another way to work. And then all of a sudden, they're right back. It can never be. It can never be simple. There's always going to be ups, downs, highs, lows, good, bads, and ugly, and you just have to enjoy that journey.
0: Yeah, and it's a beautiful journey. Tell us, Dominic, then, about, if you don't mind sharing that, is about your eyesight and what's happened there.
1: Yeah, so I always had perfectly normal vision. And I used to work in a, a call centre. I used to work as an account manager for Sky Television, uh, which is a, a broadcasting company here for television, telephone, broadband, etc. So people would call up and I would be on the computer. And I went into work one day and turned on the, the, the computer. And I just looked I thought, looks a little bit strange. So I, you know, fittered around with some of the the settings, the brightness, the contrast, and I soldiered on. But I called my mum and I says, could you get me an appointment for the opticians? I think I may need glasses. So a few days had passed and I went to the opticians and I seen every optician in the store. I was in there for three hours and they all were scratching their head. And as we came out, not really knowing what they had been confirming and talking about, they passed us a letter. And said, "We've got you an emergency referral to the hospital. Why? We're just here to to see if maybe he needs glasses." And he says, "We have seen a lot of abnormalities in your eyesight, and we are unsure what it is, but we want to get a higher, a perspective, and a higher uh, advice." So we went up to the hospital, and I seen some two different ophthalmologists. They done different tests, I had me sitting in different screens and looking down different things. and basically what this says is, we're not 100% sure, but we think you have a brain tumour and we, we believe the brain tumour is leaning on your optic nerve from your opportunity gland. Okay, so right away, I was 18, I thought, oh, I'm dying. Brain tumour, straight away, I thought I was going to die. So we want you to come back in two days to do other tests and other, other things. So I went back and I had a, an MRI scan and then I had a CAT scan. I had lots of different scans to check the brain. I was then sent to another hospital to check the wiring and, and my optic nerves. And everything was coming back abnormal. But then it started to affect my left eye as well. So as I was waiting on other tests and results come back, I went back to work and again, sitting at the computer, I'm like, this this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. It had deteriorated. So we went back to the, the hospital and maybe two, two or three weeks after the main testing, we had seen a doctor, Dr. Mansfield, who was a specialist in genealogy and, and tracing family trees and genetics. And he was asking me different questions. He was asking me to look at different things in books to see if I was colorblind, etc. And then he started to ask information about my family, the family tree. And long story short... He, through blood tests, he then went on to diagnose me with a a very rare condition called Lieber's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy. And what it basically means is my eyeballs are perfectly healthy. They are perfectly fine, nothing wrong with them, but the optic nerves are starting to basically self-destruct. So the body is basically neglecting and dis- disowning the optic nerves that connect to your your eyes, to your brain that sends the signals. So what I have to date is I only have peripheral vision. I don't have central vision. And central vision is your main vision that you need for everything, whether it's reading, writing, seeing color, seeing distance. So it took at least a month for them to get to the bottom of this condition. And touch wood, now it's staggered out where I, I have 20% vision, which allows me to try to navigate through my 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 daily life. But boy, was that a, a horrendous time of my life. It was petrifying. It was scary. And, you know, I had just turned 18. I had big ambitions to becoming a police officer. So I was going to start learning to drive. I was going to go and see this big, bad world out there. I was able to start clubbing because here, obviously in the UK, you can go out clubbing at 18 so in reality, my life should only have just begun. My life should only have just been opened up. And to then be told that you're going to lose your sight and be blind, it just felt like my whole world had ended. It just felt like it had came crashing down. And I spent at least two to three months in a, in a depression, giving up everything and just stepping right back and locking myself away. So it was, it was a very, very hard place to be.
0: Yeah, that's really difficult and so challenging. Uh, on top of the loss of your father, the loss of your full eyesight as well. That's that's really tragic. I'm so sorry. However, on the positives, (laughs) there's always positives. There always is. (laughs) On the positives, you know, it's taken you down this route. You're not going to abandon your mediumship at all, and it must have strengthened that for you in some way. So, So how did you come out of that low period of your life aged 18? And take the next brave steps to mediumship, etc.
1: Well, I spent I spent a lot of time alone. And one thing I never done was was gave up on spirit. I always would sit, whether it be in the power or whether it would be in the present, I would sit with the spirit world and a lot of the time was me building my knowledge. So I would, you know, sit in that stillness and I would I would say, Well, what can you teach me allow me to feel? someone with lung cancer, allow me to feel a brain aneurysm, allow me to feel a mother's pain of losing a son. But I spent time asking the spirit world to allow me to feel and become aware of different situations because I didn't want to deal with humans. I do not want to deal with real people. So I spent a lot of time surrounding myself with spirit. And then eventually my my best friend, um, she was taking no more of this and basically she pulled me out of my shell and I started to just gently, you know, try to learn how to see the world differently and start to embrace my life again and then went, went back to work. But I also started going back to my spiritualist church again. I, I, I started going back and really starting to, to unfold. And spirit just came so close. Like I, I said earlier, I says to them, "If we are going to continue working together. We need to work in a different way. And if you can, let me hear your voice. It sounds weird because a lot of mediums will, will cringe when I say this. But in a sense, I gave them my needs. You know, I, I if you are, I need specifics. I need names. I need this. Uh, you know, help me be the best I can for you. So I kind of cried to them so that I could still be the best for them. And as I went back to demonstrating, it was very weird, but things just kept coming and coming and coming. People were asking me to come and do special nights, uh, charity events. Churches were opening up. I was getting invitations going down south into to, to England and London. It just exploded, which, which was very weird. And then a lot of media attention started to, to happen as well. I started to get a lot of media following me around. You know, who is this boy? How can he... And have this ability communicating with with spirit. So things just really started to to open up. And it came to a point where I was becoming so busy and so in demand that eventually within maybe a year or so, I had to give up my full-time job to really go one hundred percent and work for spirit full time, because, you know, my partner, I fell in love um uh, with my my first full partner, Mark, and he was coming home at night from his job, maybe 10 o'clock in the evening, answering emails, setting up my appointments, dealing with bookings. And that just wasn't fair. So we eventually decided that we had to get a better schedule, if you would, and a a better balance. And in the midst of that, then I was starting to, to get invitations out to working in the States as well. So everything really just exploded very naturally, if you would.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. So brilliant. The spirit of always got our back, of course. Of course and I do. Keep an eye on us. <laughs>
1: yeah, and one yeah. thing I, I always remember being in that silk, I just a boy said, had said to me, young man, when you stop silking and feeling sorry for yourself, we have a greater need for you. And I thought, they never truly left me. I may have came away from them ever so gently, but they never truly left me. And I think that's why I'm so passionate. It's why I'm so dedicated. Because in my darkest times, they were all finally sick.
0: That's beautiful. Really beautiful. Dominic, with our mediumship, for those of us who are working and doing one-to-one readings, working as professional mediums, demonstrating and things like this, we have already spoken in this interview already about how our mediumship changes, etc. And you've spoken to the spirit world and, and said your needs and they've answered that need within you. What? Where are you at at the moment with your mediumship in terms of what you would like it to evolve into? I mean, we work with the spirit world, so we can't go in, like you've already said, streaming ahead in our own direction. Yeah. It was, it, it's a collaborative thing. Yep. But for me, when I do my mediumship and I do my demonstrations, I'm always sort of thinking to myself, I'm I'm starting to get some accurate names now, I'm starting to get accurate dates, things like that, which is wonderful. And I even got somebody who was deaf in the spirit world and I've learned sign language using sign language with me so that I could pass that on to the recipient. And that's all really beautiful. I'd like more of that, please, spirit world. Um, <laughs> but So I'm always thinking, what else do I want? I want to maybe um, really trust more, surrender more. I want to bring through happy stories, not keep the person dead and talk about their passing. I want to talk about their early life. So i am always got this after my demonstrations, this kind of dialogue going between me me and the spirit world as to how I can assist more where they could work with me more. Do you have something like this yourself with your spirit team? Are you looking to move into certain areas?
1: Well, when I, when I finish work, whether it's private readings or whether it's it's a a live event, I always spend time, you know, saying to the spirit, where did it go wrong? What could I have done better? Or thank you for this. And thank you for that. I always give them a moment to come and educate me. Um, for me at the moment, I am content with the way that I work, just within the manner that I work, but I had to go through a lot. Of looking at mediumship and looking at what the purpose is of mediumship because, and I've said this many times, I say it to a lot of my students and I know a lot of people may not agree with what I say, but in reality, we have to be realistic and we have to be honest. For a long time seeing mediumship, I found it very empty. I felt there was no purpose to it. And in a sense, it was very ego-based or mediums just on a fact finding mission, just trying to get fact after fact after fact after fact. And I sat to myself and I says, what does a grieving mother leave with if she just leaves with, your son loved swimming, he had brown hair, he loved school, he was very popular, he had an A initial in his name, he also liked skateboarding. And 30 minutes later, then saying to mother, well, just know that your son's okay and he still loves you. Take the love and blessing. What did that grieving mother leave that room with? Well, in reality, nothing. She left with information that only proved her son existed. It didn't prove that her son still walks with her 10 or 15 years later after his death. So all I was seeing mediums do was just throwing information up. Do you know a David? Do you know a builder? Do you understand the E initial? Who had cancer? And it was very painful. But one thing I want you to know is that's the way I was as well. So I had to sit and really understand the purpose of it. And the medium's job is not to prove life after death, because a medium cannot prove that. The spirit do that. But the medium's job is to help facilitate a moment of healing and to allow the client or the recipient, to leave being healed. And what I mean by that is leaving with that knowledge that we know that life truly is eternal and that our loved ones still live on. But we've not really been providing that evidence of life hereafter because we've always been doing information in the pretense. He loved swimming. He had brown hair. So the way that I'm trying to work with the spirit world now is within the first few minutes of a private reading. Let's get the evidence of who I'm communicating with so that I can make sure the client knows who I'm communicating with. And then I bring it into, let's talk about some memories you shared together. So we're bringing a back a balance of taking away the last moments of the death. Because let's face it, some people struggle to move past someone's last moments. So I feel with the death right there and then, and then I replace it with beautiful memories of the life they shared together. And then I say, what have you seen since you have crossed over? Your son tells me that your other son went back to school to become a teacher. Yes, he did. He tells me that he's also a father himself. Yes, he is. Your son watches over. It's a grandson, isn't it? Because he tells me he watches over the young boy playing out in the yard and he's playing with balls and he's, you know, always up to no good. And he also has an Aedes, his name, Adam, because he keeps telling me Adam. So what I'm actually trying to do is get a balance of beautiful evidence of who I'm communicating with, which proves the existence, but then bringing it into here in the now. Whether they've been gone 10 months to 10 years, we believe that they still walk with us. They're still around. Let's give the client something to move away from pain or grief, being able to go back to our son and say, I went to this medium and your brother told me he knew you went back to school, that you're never a teacher. He watches over your son, Adam. You, he must still be here. So we've got to have that beautiful balance of life before, life here in the present, because that's where we have the proof that life truly is eternal and that they are still So I'm trying to get to that beautiful balance of just having a conversation with the spirit. And for me, I think it's more it has more of a purpose and it allows the spirit to touch the client's soul once again and allow them to feel that knowing that we already know. You and I don't need proof that life's eternal. We live it, we know it, we experience it. But it's not mediums that always come to mediums for readings. There's people out there who nine times out of 10 are muggles they don't really know much about our world. They don't really know what they're looking for, but they need something that can give them comfort knowing that they are still there. So that's that's kind of my philosophy with mediumship just at the moment.
0: I love it. I love your philosophy. That's beautiful, yeah. that structure that you've evolved with the spirit world and through your own unique uh, responsibilities and position with mediumship. It's, yeah, really beautiful. Did you ever consider... Um, In fact, I don't know if you already have done this, I'm sorry. With the Spiritualist National Union training program, did you ever want to go down that route or are you happy on your own?
1: I'm very happy on my own, number one, because I just don't really want to be put in a box. You know, I'm a free thinker, I'm a a free person. And in in all honesty, I I really don't live um, spiritualism as a religion. I I really don't believe in religion. I I think religion is is very cruel, very man-made. And I'm not interested in in religion, but I'm a spiritualist. Now that sounds very conflicting, doesn't it? But for me, what I do is a way of life. It's a way of life. It's natural. It's not something that I I look at as my religion. So, in all honesty, a lot of what I do is very organic and very natural. And I don't want that to be tampered with or, or tamed down. I I just want to to be Dominic, and I just want the spirit to be them. So yeah, I'm I'm very content. Don't get me wrong. I I, I served him every spiritualist structure here in the UK or in Scotland, especially uh, whether it's uh, uh, an SNU or whether it's an independent, um, that doesn't, that doesn't faze me or doesn't bother me. Um, But I I think, I think it's a great organization. It's an organization that has a lot of great purpose and great ethnics, but I think it's an organization that's still in the, the, the early 1900s, unfortunately. So I think that needs to evolve a little bit more as well.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's very interesting. So And of course, you've written a book, The Voice of Spirit, which launched last month. So first of all, congratulations. That's an amazing achievement just to write a book and get it out there, that yeah. dedication. Tell us a little bit about the book and what we might read in it if we go to purchase it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I had no interest in writing a book, but I always knew there would be something. I always knew there would be something in the early stages. And that would just be because of other medium, there are other people saying, oh, you'll write about, you'll do this. And maybe they planted that seed. But as I started to travel the world, a lot of people kept saying to me, I want to know more about you. I want to know more about your story. We can see the man on the stage or we've had the private readings or we've done the teaching, but we want to know who you are and where you've come from. So I started to, 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 piece my, my life together, my, my memoir, if you would. And it sounds funny, 32 years of age, seeing your memoir. But that's really what it is. Um, from the first moment I was born on December the 13th, Friday the 13th, um, to losing my dad, to becoming the medium that I am today. The highs and lows are some beautiful testimonials in there from people that have had readings or connections from when I was much younger. There's great stories. There's great insight in the things that I've done. There's some philosophy in there. But it's basically, it really is my memoir. So it takes you up to when I used to write my own column for a national newspaper, the Sun newspaper. I, I done that for five years, called Second Sight. When I first went out to the States for one week when I was 19, didn't have a clue what I was going to do, didn't know if they would understand my dialect, to now it's six months of the year, traveling all over the, the States. So there's a lot in there. there, there really is, but there's a lot of my honesty and my openness with struggling with my sexuality, struggling with just navigating through life. The good, the bad, the ugliest in there. Let me tell you, but I, I wanted to really harness the book of inspiring other people, inspiring other people, whether they have a disability, whether it's a, a, a person who believes they have some form of ability, but no one else believes in them just now. I just wanted to give a different perspective of what mediumship, spiritualism and life after death truly is.
0: Gosh, it sounds amazing. And where can people buy it, Dominic?
1: You can get it very simply on Amazon. Just two weeks ago, actually, when it first went out, it reached number one on Amazon the first 12 hours it was one sale, which was really, really good. So you can get it on Amazon and you can get it on my own website as well, uh, com. If you buy it from my website, you actually get it as a signed copy on Amazon. Obviously, I can't sign them through Amazon, but yeah, you can get them my
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, go to Dominic's website, everybody, and go and purchase it there and you'll get a signed copy. Plus, you can have a look around at everything else that he's doing. So what what else have you got on offer, Dominic?
1: Well, at the moment, my team are trying to organise more private readings. Unfortunately, now my private readings are, are now going into March and April of next year, which is, is great. That's, that's wonderful. But what have I got coming up? Currently, I'm still on tour at the moment. I'm travelling across the UK with the Boys of spirit tour but next year which is really exciting i have a few residential retreats coming up I've done them a few times here in scotland so i call it together with spirit and it's for like-minded people people on their own journeys to come along with myself josephine mckenzie who is a fabulous medium on herself but she is a spirit portrait artist and psychic artist so she teaches all the arty stuff in mediumship And my colleague, Scott Milligan, who is a trans and physical medium. So together, we are taking the classes and we are taking the students through different exercises, different topics. And we have one coming up in Brighton next year in July. And April next year, we have one coming up in Massachusetts and in New Orleans as well. So we've got residential retreats coming up where people can come along take part in a demonstration with myself and Josephine. So as I'm giving the contact to the audience, up on the screen you can see Josephine drawing your loved one, which is absolutely fabulous. It blows my mind. You'll have the chance to participate in a physical seance with Scott himself. And we have fun, we have games, we do quizzes. We, there's just a place where like-minded people can come together and just have a ball of a time. We just completed one in the Netherlands. We had 130 students from all over the world in this beautiful big castle in the Netherlands. And it was just beautiful. Because if you think about it, we all had nearly three years of being stuck at home with our development on a screen. And as much as it was not good and it was lovely, It just wasn't quite the same as being in person, was it? So the hunger um, for people to get together and really be intense, because it's intense training from 9.30 in the morning through to 6 in the evening, you're working and in all your different classes. So yeah, we have Brighton coming up in July and we have Massachusetts coming up in April next year. So they'll be on the website and you can get them together with Spoon.
0: Wow, Dominic, it sounds amazing. What a yeah, fantastic super fun. experience. Yeah, brilliant, really good. And it's so important to get together because we are very solitary creatures sometimes as mediums and there yeah. aren't often a lot of people that are like-minded in no. our families or our friendship groups even. Um, yeah. I think many of us have wonderful friends, but they don't necessarily understand who we are. So if you go somewhere like your beautiful residential retreats, then you're mixing with wonderful people who understand you and get you and working towards the same goals.
1: It's like coming together and feeling at home with, with your people, isn't it? I know a lot of people make that reference to your tribe or whatever. Yes. But for me as a teacher, that's my passion. But when you see people come, maybe as strangers, and then on the the second evening at the bar, they're all talking and sharing stories and oh, I, I, I had that experience. I'm the same. and just becoming one. That's why I, I really stuck with my name of the event together. Let's come together. Let's see what we can do together for the spirit. So it's, it's just beautiful. I, I love seeing students with a smile on their face. Light yeah. moments.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, talking of students, are you teaching online, Dominic, if people couldn't make those retreats, but they wanted to perhaps learn from you directly?
1: There's a few things coming up and um, during the pandemic, I spent a lot of time doing one-to-one mentoring or professional mediums that knew they could go better or deeper. So to be honest with you, I'm constantly on the road. I'm constantly on tour that I don't really have the time to be stuck at home and in front of a, a screen. Like last night, I was out doing a show. Tonight, I'm out doing a, another show. So at the moment, no, but there is a few things just in the pipeline. I know I've got an event coming up um, that will be online uh, on the 2nd of December. It's just not out there yet. But there's always little things. So all yeah. I could say, you know, sign up to my newsletter if, if you are interested in things like that. And if things are coming up, then you'll get put secretly between you and I and, of course, the listeners. I love teaching in person. I love teaching in person because I love to be hands on. I love to be able to be present with the students, see where their mediumship's going wrong, see if their communication isn't quite getting there, and be able to come down and crouch down with them and say, "Okay, let's go through it together." You don't—I don't feel we really have the same touch on, it. so I'm quite content doing it in person.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Really I'm an
1: old soul that way. I'm—you I'm, know—as you can see, I'm still sitting with the wired earphones and whatever technology is not my best friend.
0: No, but those wired earphones are great. They they give a good result on Zoom uh, podcast recordings, I can yeah. assure you. So thank yeah. you. Um, so f- just before we finish, Dominic, I mean, obviously we could chat all day. It's just so We lovely. could. We could. We talk about this topic. I wondered if people that are listening that aren't psychics or mediums, or even if they are, um, who are grieving for their loved ones at home, do you have some sort of exercise or something you could offer to people that they might... Be able to feel and know their loved ones coming close themselves.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I'm a true believer that the moment that the photographs get put away, the moment we stop sharing memories, and the moment that all their clothes are gone, and that's when the spirit, you know, gently step back and start evolving more into their spirit way of life. But if we continue talking about them, looking through their photographs, maybe creating a a, a pillow out of a t shirt or. You know, really keeping them a part of life and talking to them as well is, is very important. Um, but one thing that I always encourage people to do, especially even in early stages, is sit, sit yourself, just sit quietly. You don't have to, you know, go put rainforest music on or whatever. Just sit quietly, even before your bed and remember the good times, remember the, the memories, remember the things you've done and in your mind, talk to them evidently they may not be there in your world but I can assure you the thoughts that you are delivering to them will be received and I always say it's great if we can get something that we can fully feel so for me I always say to the spirit world you know let me know you're there so my thing now the moment I connect with spirit I get this weird shiver like this so my my right shoulder basically shivers up to my right ear so I know I'm connected But I learned that through sitting with the spirit. And every time spirit came close, that would happen. So I realized, okay, that's what that means. So for you to know that your loved ones are there, even though I can assure you they are, when you talk to them, ask them, let me feel your hand or let me feel you touch my nose. Give them something to work with, even signs. We all love signs, but people will always say to me, especially in early stages of, of grief, I don't get signs. I don't know what my sign is. And you could ask your loved one for a sign, but that could be like asking for a needle in a haystack. Whereas if you be a little bit more specific, let me see your name or can you bring me coins or whatever it may be, be a little bit more specific. But just know it's not going to happen overnight, but at least you then have something to look with. But all I can assure you is sitting in that stillness and asking them to come ever so close Maybe just focus on that love that you once felt. Focus on that presence of how close that they come and let that evolve itself as you go forward, asking for that gentle breeze on your cheek. Maybe a few days later, then you get that breeze the next time you sit. So just sit in that stillness and allow yourself to send out that invitation from your heart and your mind to that special person. Just ask them to come close. And you know how I talked about the memory that you would be maybe thinking about, you know, the, the seaside holidays and being in the water, and having the fish and chips. When you're thinking about that and you're starting to visualize that, don't be surprised if a few days later, someone then comes up to you in the family and says, you know, I was just thinking about that time we went on holiday with dad to the beach and we were having the fish and chips. And that, I believe, is your loved one influencing them to basically come and say, I saw you think about that
0: memory. That is just gorgeous. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Dominic. It's been an
1: absolute pleasure.
0: It's been great having you on. I want to wish you all the very, very best with your Voice of Spirit tour that's still continuing. And just to say thank you, it's been a fascinating discussion. I've absolutely loved every minute of it. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, like you said, we could sit here all day and chat. And that's the beauty of like-minded minds and like-minded souls comes natural. So, sincerely, thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: Let's all say a silent thank you to Dominic Bogue for sharing his extraordinary journey and insights with us today. Dominic's ability to bridge the gap between worlds is truly awe-inspiring and his resilience in the face of challenges is a testament to the power of the human spirit. I hope you enjoyed this illuminating conversation as much as we did and if you'd like to connect with Dominic or explore more about his work be sure to check out the links in the show notes which include a full transcript as we are also a deaf friendly podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the new YouTube channel so you can watch this episode too. Until next time, may you carry the energy of inspiration and a deeper understanding of the spiritual realm with you. Stay curious, stay open-minded and keep exploring the mysteries that surround us. My name is Anne Teato and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters.